want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. Are you still keeping your New Year's resolutions? Don't worry, we won't judge. Our minister of music at Tira brings us an encouraging word titled, Reset, Moving Forward. Let's tune in. Um, as you can see, I am not Pastor John. <laughs> I'm Atira. My name is Atira. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Atira. I'm the minister of music here. And um, I'm so blessed. My heart is full. Um, it's so good to be in God's house. Like I was telling the first, first <laughs> like I was telling the first service, I'd rather be here than in the best hospital in America. God is so faithful. He's been so good to me. Um, I want to say thank you so much to all of you guys that have uh, kept me in your prayers these past couple months. Um, as you know, I've been going through my own uh, health challenges and adjustments and changes, and I just thank you so much for standing in the gap. Thank you for girding me up. Thank you for, for, uh, for just going to war for me. I appreciate you so much, and I love each and every one of you guys for it. Um, I truly feel the prayers of the saints availing much in my life right now, and it's, it's God's grace that's keeping me going. Amen. Um, so this morning, I was asked to share and bring the word this morning, and uh, what was put on my heart to do is to just kind of share with you what God's been ministering and correcting and encouraging me with these past few months. Uh, for those of you know that don't know, I'm the minister of music, like I said before, and uh I've been on leave for uh, transitioning into dialysis. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, just kind of didn't mean to bring a room down like that, but uh, <laughs> but I've, it's it's been it's been a challenge, and uh, I just wanted to share with you what God simply share with you what God shared with me, because I believe it'll encourage you, and I believe it'll help you guys too, because you know what the trap the enemy set for me, he set for everybody else, okay. Just let's put that out there. So today, in case you didn't know, it's July 1st. Half the year is officially over with. I'll let that wash over you. I'll let that wash over you for a minute. So I know usually, you know, all of us have New Year resolutions or some of us. How many of you guys made New Year's resolutions? Oh, no, nobody wants to raise their hand? No? Didn't meet them? It's okay. There's no judgment here. It's just us, all of us here, one big therapy session, all of us in the room together, okay? No, but usually when the year starts, we make, you know, we set out to we an endeavor to do great things, amen? And sometimes, like I'm well aware of these, <laughs> and I know by experience these past couple of months, life happens. Things that you didn't factor in, things that you weren't counting on to happen, happen, things didn't go the way you were planning them to go. And sometimes, you know, you need a reset. What better day than July 1st? You know what I'm saying? We got the rest of the year to go. A great time to just reset. And for you, those of you that are note takers this morning, that's the name of this message today. It's called The Reset, Moving Forward. Okay. Somebody's excited. Amen. Hallelujah. Moving forward. Get me out of here. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> the Reset. Thank you, Jesus. 
Father, we just, let's, let's pray before we get into the word. Lord, thank you so much for your word. It's spirit and it's life. God, it's good for reproof and it's good for correction. But Lord, we're so thankful that it encourages us, Lord, and gives us hope. Jesus, as we go into your word, I pray that our hearts will be flooded with light, Lord God, that you would invade our lives with hope this morning, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to say to us. We say our hearts are ready. Our hearts are ready. Somebody say, I'm ready. Our hearts are ready, Lord, to receive what you're going to say to us, Lord. And we expect with all of our hearts, Jesus, that you would move in this place. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so um, it's going to be a series of words that start with re. Okay, I don't have any tricks, any gimmicks or anything like that. Just got some simple principles, some scriptures to go over. Amen. Okay, so number one is refocus. Fix your gaze. Refocus. Fix your gaze. Those of you that have your Bibles, turn them to or turn them on to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. And I'm be reading from the Amplified Version. It says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course that, of the race that is set before us. Here's what, here's what we will pay attention to. Number two, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also the finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad Jesus sits on the throne. <laughs> So my first point I wanted to kind of bring to light is looking away from all that will distract. Anybody ever been distracted before? Yeah? Okay. So, you know, I, I'm just going to speak from my own experience that's very real and relevant in this season of my life right now. Um, I'm in my sixth week of dial dialysis right now. And uh, with this, just to say the least, this was uh, a lot to wrap my mind around. Um, just you're inundated with information, you're inundated with details, you're inundated with what's supposed to happen, you're inundated with what's happening to your body now, you're inundated with what could happen and, and, and what happens if something else doesn't happen. And, and it's just, it's overwhelming. And sometimes the situations themselves are the distraction. Amen? Y'all gonna have to talk to me, talk back to me this morning. Let me know you're with me, all right? You're tracking me. You're with me, okay? Sometimes the situations themselves are the distraction to get you off course. Not saying that the details are not important, but when you start to fix your gaze on the wrong thing, you get off, a co off course. Anybody ever, ever done that before? Anybody ever been shooting pastors talked about it before I've been shooting myself he's talking about watching your lane you have to fix your gaze on your target 
but a lot of sometimes you can get distracted by the, the other firearms going off or other people's situation going on in your life. Or like I said, your situation yourself, the details of it, they're overwhelming. And it's like, I, 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 um, and then before you know it, you're either off course or even worse, you're standing still, which is never standing still. It's moving backwards a lot of times. You start to drift. The distractions. Fix your gaze. You know, um, for me, can I just, just, and I'm just being very, I'm just reaching into my vulnerability and sharing with you guys this morning. When, when I got the news that, yes, definitely we're going to have to do dialysis. This is what you're, you're going to have to do. Your kidneys are failing. Um, it was paralyzing. It was. It was. It was. It was hard. It was hard to take in. It was paralyzing. Um, you know, it's depression and and its whole crew, fear and worry and everything, just shows up, and, and they they like to stay. They like to linger, and sometimes it's just like, man, you you just you receive a gut punch like that. It's like, man, you don't have you don't have the strength that you normally would to kind of ward that stuff off. Um, and I know I had a conversation with my brother and he was saying, you know, for those of you that don't know my brother, me and brother, my brother are pretty close and he's kind of like a dad to me. And he was saying, Terry, you need to fight. You got to fight. You got to fight. And I was just like, you know, I didn't say this to him, but in my head, I'm like, I don't have one. I don't have one. Like... <laughs> This is a lot, my God. This is a lot, Lord. I don't have, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful for God placing me in a family, not just biologically, but the family of God of fighters. And you know, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm gonna just gonna say your fight is connected to other people's fight. And I thank God for. My pastor, who's also my uncle, who's a fighter, you know, he just celebrated his 50th birthday. And I remember being at his house and we were, you know, speaking life over you and telling just just thanking God for your life and for the gift that you are to us. And I just sat and I, I just I couldn't even I couldn't even get the words out. I just sat there and cried. because I was just like, thank you. Lord. You know what? First of all, I had to ask God for a fight. I had to ask God for it. I prayed, and I was like, God, give me a fight. Because if I don't fight, I'm not going to make it. If I don't fight, I'm not going to make it through this. And, you know, I thank God because he's faithful to answer prayers. He's faithful, and he answered my prayer, and he's put a fight in me. Not only has he put a fight in me, he's put fighters around me. He's opened my eyes to the fighters around me. And one of those fighters that I'm looking and I'm watching is my uncle. You're a hero. You're a hero. And there's people that are watching your fight and learning how to fight themselves. People like me are watching you fight and see you getting victory and seeing God's grace on you. Um, distractions. Uh, worrying about other people think. That was, that was me, you know. Initially, thank you. Initially, it was about March when a pastor called me and by this time, I had been in, in and out of the hospital a couple times already this year. And he came and he was like, you know, 
we want you to we want you to take a break. We want you to take a break. We want you to get better, and we want you to take care of yourself and you know make the adjustments that you need to make. And initially, you know, you know, I'm thinking, okay. So he's like, so we're gonna tell the church what's going on with you. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't want people to know. You get what I'm saying? I just, I just, I just, I just didn't want people to know. I just, you know, I was afraid in my heart, just being vulnerable. Like I said, just us in the room together, right? I was, I was, you know, I was concerned with what people were going to think. I was concerned what people were going to think. You know, here it is. Oh, you're supposed to be strong. What, what's, you know, you know, and it's, and it's so, it's just like the enemy. The enemy's such an opportunist. He'll use any crack, any type of footing he'll get, and he'll come and he'll start lying. So he'll start filling your head with a bunch of lies about what other people are saying. And here's the thing. Number one, the fear of man bringeth the snare, but those who trust in the Lord shall be saved. That's, that's the word right there. Number two, another person's head is a horrible place to keep your approval, your anointing, your calling, your gifting, your, your self-worth. And I'll say it again, another person's head is a horrible place to keep your self-worth. You understand what I'm saying? You know what? The one who called me is faithful. And that's what I had to remind myself because, I mean, honestly, honestly, I'm just, I'm just letting it all out. You know, I was thinking, I was second guessing, like, should I even really be doing ministry? Is this what I'm called? Like, that's, that's what happens. When you're overwhelmed and you're distracted, you start to question things that you were so sure of before. You were so sure of before. <sighs> Refocus. Fix your gaze. <laughs> you know, I, after my conversation with my brother, I said, you know, I had to shake myself. Because, you know what, I found myself at a standstill. Here it was, I was given time off to, to, you know, to take care of myself, get busy doing what I was supposed to be doing, and I was just, I was just in despair, really, when you look at it. I was just in despair. I was distracted. I was distracted by should have, could have, and would have, and, and, and you know what I mean? Stuff that ultimately is a waste of time. You understand what I'm saying? Distraction steps in and it's so smooth and it just so easily takes your gaze off what it's supposed to be on. It gets your focus, gets you off your game, gets you off your game. And, and, and at the end, if you chase the, the rabbit trail that it presents to you that you're on, it's for nothing. Because it's like, I spent all this energy, all this effort, all this focus, all this attention on what could have been stuff that is totally out of my control because of where I am now. You understand what I'm saying? It takes away from what you could be doing in the now. It takes you away from being able to, uh, uh, to redeem the time of where you are. You guys with me? You guys are real quiet. Am I going, if I'm going too fast, slow me down, all right? <laughs> we have to fix our hearts. My heart is fixed, oh God. Psalm 108 verse 1 amplifies says, Oh God, my heart is steadfast with confident faith. You have to fix your heart. Here's another reword: reevaluate. Reevaluate where you are now may be different from where you thought or intended to be, but it has no bearing on an infallible God. You may have failed, but God does not. Isn't that good news? You may have failed, but God does not. He can't fail. If he knows the end from the beginning, or since he knows, rather, since he knows the end from the beginning, then he saw this, whatever this is for you, he saw this coming a long time before you did. 
God's plan for you is still good. Isn't that good news? Oh, my goodness. God's power to keep me is greater than the enemy's ability to deceive me. Hallelujah. Reevaluate. Number two is to receive and apply correction. <laughs> Felt the resistance in the re- resistance. <laughs> receive and apply correction. That's number two. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 in the Amplified. For the time being, no discipline seem, excuse me, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, a harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness in conformity to God's will and purpose, thought, and action, resulting in right living and right standing with God. Now, I really love how the message puts it. Here, listen. It says, God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training, the normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best, At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. Whoa, that was a mouthful, but that was that that a preach right there. Some important thoughts about correction I want to share with you guys. Correction, number one, here's the first point. Correction and punishment are different. Correction and punishment. Are different. Correction by definition is a change that rectifies an error or inaccuracy. A change that rectifies an error or inaccuracy. That's correction. Punishment <clears throat> by definition is the infliction or imposition of a penalty as retribution for an offense. The infliction or imposition of a penalty as retribution for an offense. Rough treatment or handling inflicted on on or suffered by a person or thing. Rough treatment or handling inflicted on or suffered by a person or thing. Some of us never knew that there was a difference between correction and punishment. (laughs) <laughs> you know, some of us think that God's, God's not this third, part, third party collector who bought your debt from somebody else and is coming after you now. Okay? That God doesn't get down like that. Jesus paid it all. And when he said all, it meant all. Amen? Next one, understanding the family dynamic. Understand the family dynamic. Correction comes from the head, which is God, and those whom he has placed in authority, which is leadership. <laughs> yeah. Understanding the family dynamic. If you guys, how many of you guys were here last Tuesday? Were you guys here last Tuesday? Pastor just busted the seals on this new uh, journey that we're going to take through talking about the orphan spirit. 
And um, he's talking about the church being a family of families. And uh, if, you, if you notice something, uh, the family is under attack. And that's the first or thing that God ordained was the family. And the family is the makeup of the church. And the church is the hope of the world. There is no plan B. Okay? And understand, helping to understand the family dynamic will help us to understand correction. Amen? That it comes from the head. It comes from the father. And some of us, that's a foreign concept because we don't, first of all, it's for, having a father, number one, is a foreign concept for a lot of us because there's so many people, so many homes that are broken, that are missing the fathers, they're absent, they're out doing whatever, they're locked up, they're, they've passed away, whatever's gone on, but there's been no father, there's been no covering. There's been no covering. There's been no, there's been no uh, direction. There's been no, there's been no uh, protection. You understand what I'm saying? So the orphan tends to have, tends to be in defense and tends to buck what's right, tends to, tends to buck what's good for them from those who truly care about because they can't decipher the difference. They can't make it out for themselves. They're so used to being on the defense and, and closed in and, and, and looking out for me and, you know what I'm saying? And, and they, they, don't, they don't know how to receive uh, correction. They don't know how to receive input and information from somebody that truly loves them. So I encourage you guys to get here. And here's the thing about it. It's not just people that come from, or, from broken homes that have an orphan spirit. It's in all of us. To some degree, to some extent, it's in all of us. And Jesus is wanting us to be healed. Jesus is wanting us to be healed and freed from that. Amen? Proverbs 22, verses 15, Amplified. It says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline, correction administered with godly wisdom and loving kindness will remove it far from him. It's natural to resist authority, especially if we come from dysfunction and abuse. Uh, my, own, my own household was one of those that was used to dysfunction and abuse. Uh, my father wasn't around. So, uh, like I was saying before, the enemy's on an all-out attack to destroy the family unit through school systems, through, uh, you know, just, uh, just a number of avenues. He's out to destroy the family unit. And it's, it's, a big, it's the bigger picture. People like to kind of get your focus off of the bigger picture. But us being kingdom-minded and kingdom having a, a biblical worldview, we, 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 under, we have an understanding. We can discern what the enemy's trying to do which is what, why it's more important for us to get healed of that orphan spirit so we can receive correction and we can get our marching orders of how to advance the kingdom of God in this, in this earth. Amen? Here's another thing is find your footing in God's love. The next point is find your footing in God's love. When we are firmly secure in God's love, we are able to better receive correction. When we are firmly secure in God's love, we are able to better receive correction. <laughs> you know, okay, so I'm laughing because I think about, you know, the people, you know, the parent is about to whoop their kid. And they're like, no, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Like, yeah, right. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, for, for me, I never, I never... I never correlated, and I know there's other people that identify with me, is I never correlated correction with love. Never, never put the two together. You know what I mean? First of all, it, from the correction, the definition of correction that we're working with right now, it was punishment. You know what I'm saying? It was, there was, there was, I was, it was you were angry when you beat me. You know what I mean? 
was definitely an offense there. And you're trying to get me back, right? It wasn't just punishment. I could call, call CPS, have them look at these bruises on my, on my legs. No, but you know what? Correction was never intended to be administered without love. Correction was never intended to be administered without love. You know what I mean? And I hope that that starts to bring a little bit of healing to anybody who's, who's grown up in a house with abuse where it was just over and beyond maybe anybody could even imagine. And, and, and it, just was just, it just wasn't right. Correction was never intended to be administered without love. Like I said before, it's easier to receive correction from someone you know cares about you and has your best interest in mind. Um, even spiritual, on the spiritual side of things, you know, a lot of families, there's a lot of broken homes and broken families that people have come up in. But also even spiritual, like church hurt, okay? There's a lot of us that have come, through, come from that where I don't even know if it's the correct word, but it's spiritual abuse. People who have led by coercion and, and manipulation, who have, who have mastered, tried to master you and, and manipulate you and, and control your life. And it's, you finally got out of that and it was like, I will never again do that. I will never again trust another pastor. I'll never do it again. I bet you I won't. You know what I mean? Jesus wants to bring healing to that. Like I'm saying, get, get here Tuesday nights. You know what? Pa- Here's the thing. When you know the word, you can line stuff up. When you know the word, you can line stuff up because the Bible is very, very, very specific about the type of pastors he's going to give you. He said he'll give you shepherds after his own heart. Jesus is not manipulative. Jesus is not controlling. Jesus does not try to try to uh, to con- to condemn you or guilt you into anything. He's not trying to trying to run your life, like micromanage your life. So that's the thing. It's like you know what you've had a bad experience, but don't. Stay connected to that. Don't let allow that to attach itself to you. And you carry this crap along with you the rest of your life, and it's sitting like poison in your gut. Not only is it killing you, it keeps you from, from growing. It keeps people away from you. It keeps you from life-giving relationships because that bitterness is set in. The thing is this about bitterness, you're the last person to know you're bitter. You're the last person to know that you're bitter. And it's usually after people have walked away like, dude, I'm done. I tried. You get what I'm saying? But God, thank God for the family of God. Thank God for uh, spiritual leaders that can be trusted. And I can say the, our pastors can be trusted because they are following Christ as we, when we're following them. Amen? God has greatly proven he is fully vested in you by giving his only son. Amen. Just bring that's just to, to add to the point that, you know, it's easier to trust someone's correction when you know they love you. Jesus is proven above and beyond that he loves us. So why wouldn't we listen to him? Why wouldn't we listen to what he has to say? Why wouldn't we tune in, right? Amen. Next point. Godly correction is always followed by encouragement and support. Godly correction is always followed by encouragement and support. Has anybody ever been uh, <laughs> corrected, like whether it's at work or, you know, um, at school or something like that? A lot of us don't know what it's like to be corrected in a healthy way. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, you just mess this up again. Like, dude, seriously, figure it out. It's like the third time this week. That's what we're used to. Ain't no way I'm receiving the correction from that, right? 
But it's like, hey, hey, Tira, can you come in? Step into my office real quick. Let me talk to you for a minute. All right. Make it fast. Let's do it real fast. Hey, how you doing? Hey, you know, this, you know, and it's like, so a conversation begins that is like a, a correction sandwich. Okay? I'm serious. It's like a correction sandwich because they, they tell you something great that you did, something that you're good at. Slide that correction in there where you can get it. And then put the other piece of bread on there with something that you're, you're dope at. <laughs> right? And it's like, you walk away like, I don't know what just happened. But I think, I think, I think they like me, but, but want me to get it together too. But, but yeah, I felt good about it. I felt, I felt good about it. Godly correction is always followed by encouragement and support. Okay? Condemnation paralyzes while conviction is a catalyst to move forward. You know, I'm so glad that God corrects the way he does. He is love, and when he corrects, it's in a loving way. You know, it may not always feel good. You know, I heard a pastor say one time, the rod of correction. Sometimes it's a pat on the back, and sometimes it's a kick in the pants. Sometimes it's a kick in the pants, but it's with so much love. You know what I mean? Um, a catalyst to move forward, that's a good indication. You know what, if you're feeling something, maybe you, you're aware of something that you've done in your life, you made a mistake, and you're feeling something that's not helping you move forward, that's not from Jesus. Romans chapter 8 says, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you feel something and it's sinking, it's pulling you down rather than propelling you to, do, to, to be better as you move forward, that's not Jesus. He's always going to call you closer to him. He'll never push you away. He'll never reject you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been in, what you've been involved in, he's always welcoming you with open arms. And he's always wanting you to get it right. He's always on your side. He's always cheering for you. He's always in your corner. Amen? Next point is remind yourself of God's character. Remind yourself of God's character. Mm. I had to do a lot of that within these past couple months. Um, just going through the health changes that I'm going through. And, uh, you know, I felt like, kind of felt like one of the people on the boat when, it was, when they were passing over to the other side. Those of you don't know the story. I'm not sure what the address is, but, you know, there's this great storm that came. Jesus told them we're gonna, we must go to the other side. This big, big old storm is raging. This had to have been like a hurricane, something crazy. And they're panicking. The boat's getting filled with water. Jesus is in the bow of the boat, sleep. So they finally, finally went down and was like, Jesus, Je Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're perishing? We're about to die and you over here sleep. And as you know, this, Jesus comes up, yawns, tells everything, peace, be still. You know, and it's, so I remember being at the hospital getting prepped for surgery. And I'm nervous. I haven't been in surgery in, since I had my tonsils taken out, like at 12 years old or something. And I just lay in there. I'm laying there in the bed. My mind's kind of going crazy a little bit. And uh 
I just heard the Spirit of God say to me so clearly, he said, I'm in the boat. And it's just this peace came over me. Remember, Mom, I told you. It's like, he said, he said, I'm in the boat. I'm in the boat. Like, relax. I'm in the boat. You have to remind yourself that when you're going through a storm in your life, whatever it is this, the this is in your life right now, you have to remind yourself of God's character, that he's not going to put you in something to destroy you. God is for you. He's not against you. Romans chapter eight thirty one through 32 in the Amplified says, What then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be successful against us? <laughs> he who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11 in the Amplified says, Or what man is there among you who is who if his son asks for bread, will instead give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will instead give him a snake? If you then, being evil, sinful by nature as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give what to you is, give what is good and advantageous to you, to those who keep on asking him? Mm. You have to remind yourself of God's character when you're going through. Has anybody ever been into a, like, gotten into a real big spat with, like, maybe a close friend or something, and, and, and it's, it ends up being something that just went a, a marathon, and it should have only stopped at a mile, and it had a lot to do with you forgetting who they were, forgetting their character? You know what I'm saying? Maybe somebody said something, and you, like, instead of saying, hey, what did you mean by that? You went home, and you thought about it for like three weeks and then the next time you saw him you had a you had, hey how you doing I'm all right what's what's the deal you know what I mean like it just it creates this whole awkward air when when it finally comes out like you know what you said to this to me three weeks ago at three o'clock and 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 you know what I ain't been right ever since and I know it's because way back in the third grade I took the last orange popsicle and you was upset because like bro what First of all, I never even knew I said something to offend you. Like, I would never say something to offend you. Like, I would never, I would never, you know what I mean? And it's, it always starts with, I would never do such as this. I would never say, blah, blah, blah. I would never. And then it's like, you know what? You're right. You know what I mean? And a lot of times, hopefully, you know what I'm saying, you've kissed and made up and are still friends today. But you know what? Bumps like that come in the road. You know what? Relationships are hard work, period. Relationships with people. People are hard work, and you never graduate from dealing with them. We'll be dealing with people in heaven, okay? Get used to it, people. But relationships are hard work. And the thing is this is that just by nature, not intentionally, we're going to offend each other. We're going to do something that, that rubs somebody else the wrong way. And there has to be love and understanding for one another, giving grace for one another, preferring others above your, before yourself, for there to be a coming together and reconciliation and a strengthening of the relationship. Amen? God will never shame you. Shame comes to keep you silent and isolated. The enemy would love to, nothing more than for you to perish in plain sight. And, you know, for me, with the, you know, the whole transition as far as my health situation goes, you know, there was, 
I, like I said, I was, I was concerned with what people were going to say. I was concerned with what people were going to think once they found out. You know, because it wasn't, we weren't going to be, it was clear that it wasn't going to be a discreet, oh, she's taking a leave of absence for health reasons. It was like, no, this is what's going on. Pray, please. And there was a, there, you know, the enemy came in with shame. With, with shame. And it's like, you know, sometimes when you feel shame, it comes in so thick that you don't trace it to see if even it's even legit. You get, you get what I'm saying? Uh, that makes sense to you guys? I hope that makes sense. Sometimes it comes in and it comes in so thick and so strong. It's like, I don't even, I can't even trace. It's so overwhelming. Like you're just down and you begin to isolate yourself and then the walls start closing in and then, then you're a sitting duck and then the enemy comes, starts to come in for the kill. Just like the National Geographic when they get the, la- the little sick one that's lagging behind, you know what I'm saying? They come after those ones. But the thing is this is that usually there's a saying that says the first ban- banana, the banana that leaves the bunch is the first one to get peeled. The family of God, again, is the important thing. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's important to be connected to the family of God. It's important to remember uh, God's character and his His. Uh, Yes, his character and that he would never do something. You need to start matching stuff up. When stuff shows up at your door, meaning like uh, depression and all this other stuff that tries to come in and run, you know, run roughshod over you, start comparing this stuff to the character of God. Like, wait a minute, where did this come from? Where did this come from? Because a lot of times it comes in so slick and so quick, you don't even get a chance to do it. You know what I mean? It's just like, hey, wait, whoa, like, why, do I, why do I feel like, you know? And then you're walking around with this cloud of depression, and then before you know it, like I said, you're by yourself, and you're like, you're just sinking to rise no more. God will never shame you. He carried that on the cross. Mm. He carried that on the cross. He paid for it in full. Shame comes to keep you silent and isolated. And those are two things that do not go with the family of God, is uh, silence and isolation. Don't perish in plain sight because you're not connected. Number three is readjust. Get a new grip. Readjust. Get a new grip. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12 through 13 in the NLT says, So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. The message version of that says, so don't sit around on your hands. No more dragging your feet. Clear the path for long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole and sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Your race is not about you. Your race is not about you. I'm so thankful for being connected to the family of God. Uh, Recently, I've uh, deepened a friendship with an, an older woman of God who's been, who I respect tremendously and who's been speaking into my life. We've, been meet, we've met up for coffee a couple times. And there's something that she said to me that I've, been, I've, I've held on to and I'm running with it. I'm taking it. And it's someone needs to see you make it. Someone needs to see you make it. So like I said, I'm sharing with you what God's been using to encourage me. And I'm saying to you this morning, whatever your this is, whatever season you're in right now, someone needs to see you make it. Someone needs to see you make it. Someone needs to see you walking in the strength and the grace of Jesus Christ. 
and in victory and come out with victory. Someone needs to see you make it. Our fight is connected to other people's fight. Amen. Number four, rely on your resources, the body of Christ. Rely on your resources, the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 15 through 16 in the Amplified. It says, but speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing his truth, let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies. When each part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. We need each other. We need each other. We were created for community. None of us were meant to go it alone. None of us were meant to do life alone. We know we, we say we do life together. That's because how it was originated. That's what we were created to do. Um, you know, part that just stuck out to me just now was um, knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies when each part is working properly causes the body to grow and mature. Do you know that we're not fully grown or mature without you? If you're not functioning properly, if you're my brother and sister in Christ and something's going on with you, I'm not able to grow like I'm supposed to. We're connected. That's how connected and interdependent God has designed the body of Christ to be. Here's another thing. The body of Christ, of course, is an analogy of the body, the physical body, human body. Do you know, <laughs> for instance, uh, there's certain diseases that don't catch on or the people don't have an idea that they have until it's too late because another body part has been compensating for it for so long. It's, it made it, it gave the illusion that it was, everything was okay. The thing is this, is that Jesus is the great physician. He's doing the official checkup of his body and he wants every part functioning properly. And the thing is this, we can't do that apart from one another. Here's another thing that'll keep us from tapping in to relying on our, our resources, which is the body of Christ, is pride. Guilty. I'm guilty of it because it's like, you know, it's like, I don't, man, I just, I just don't want everybody knowing my business. When really somebody else has had the same business and made it through and could minister to you while you're going through you and your business. Somebody needs to see you make it. Another part of pride is the, is the flip side is being vulnerable with your story, being vulnerable with your testimony. Even though, you know what, even though you're still, even though you're still walking, it's a testimony in progress. Somebody needs to see you make it. Somebody needs you to open up and be vulnerable. But that's only going to happen when you're around the family of God and you see that you can trust those who God has placed around you. Amen? Y'all are real quiet this morning. <laughs> um, I hope this is helping somebody. We need each other. We are created for community. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, amplified in my closing. As somebody comes to some type of instrument on the stage. Amen. I don't know who it is, but okay. James chapter 5, 13 through 16, amplified. <laughs> it says, is anyone among you suffering? He must pray. Is anyone joyful? He is to sing praises to God. 
Is anyone among you sick? He must call for the elders, spiritual leaders of the church, and they are to pray for him, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith that the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, here's the part right here. Confess your sins one to another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you might be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, believer, can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. I just want to go back to verse 16 real quick. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may, receive, that you may be healed and restored. Healed and restored. You know what? Pride will keep you from telling your story. Pride will keep you from telling your story. And it'll keep you from being restored. Pride will keep you from telling your story and being restored. You know what? We talked about the fear of man bringing a snare. And you know what that snare is? It's called approval. It's a snare of approval. You know, you see, you know, you see it at the business meeting. You see it at other church. Even at other churches, pastors get together and start kind of, you know, talking about, oh, well, I have a congregation of this many. Or, oh, we're doing this and we're doing that. You know what? There's a saying that said, you want to Im- impress people, tell them about your successes. If you want to impact people, tell them about your failures. Tell them about how you messed up. But God's grace was right there. Tell them about how you, you went astray, but God, God's mercy and his grace chased you down like the worst detective and brought you back home. Tell them about how you're struggling with something. Struggle means you're still in the fight. A struggle means you're still in the fight. Tell them about what happened. Tell them about how you went through this heartbreak and this disappointment. You didn't think that you were going to make it out. Tell them about the depression you, you, you barely came out of. But if it wasn't for Jesus, you would have never come out of. Tell them about that. But you're too busy trapped by the approval of men. You're too busy living and dying by what other people have to say about you. You're too busy with how things look. Be restored. Be healed. Be vulnerable. You know, it takes more strength and more courage to get healing than it does to stay sick. There's a lot of people who refuse the cure and perish when they didn't have to, whatever it may have been. Don't spiritually die. Don't perish spiritually because you refuse to be vulnerable, because you refuse to, to, to open up again after you were hurt. Allow God to heal Allow God to come in and heal and, and to, to, just, to just renew and restore and refresh you and to reset you so you can move forward. Amen? Did this help anybody today? That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.